at the end of the game, it's, it's a raw monster. It's a raw monster coming out too because I had the skills and the mentality to put the ball in the hole, which was which was very very special as far as that's concerned. So at the end of the day, everything is everything was good except for when the end of the game. Now, you, Mike, you better pass me the damn ball. That's, the, that's what's happening. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Mavs Archives. I'm here today with a very special guest, someone I'm thrilled to be speaking to. I'm speaking to Maverick legend, Rolando Blackman. Ro, how are you doing today? I'm well, Mike. I'm doing well today. Definitely so. Keeping inside, keeping away, and keeping my distance. So this is good. (laughs) I'm glad. So, you know, before we get going and talking about, um, obviously, your tenure with the Mavericks and your career, I wanted to learn more about your basketball journey. So I know you were born in Panama and moved to the U.S. as a uh, as a young child, moved to New York City. Uh, growing up in New York, what got you started playing the game of basketball? The most important thing for me was just to have friends. You know, I came to I came to New York City as an eight year old, and I played soccer from when I was four years old. So from mm-hmm. then, I had the soccer ball, and I was kicking the ball around in the schoolyard a lot, and really, really was was there by myself in, in one corner by myself, kicking the ball around all the time because nobody in New York City played any soccer whatsoever as far as I could remember all the kids were on the other side just playing ball and hooping and that kind of thing so you know after two years after two years at the age of 10 you know I decided to just get a chance to walk over there and see if I could get into a game and 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 find out about this game that 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 was like they were using their hands they were using their hands and they were like throwing the ball up into this tiny little hole and they had these other guys doing all this other stuff around them and so that's how I viewed the game at the beginning of the whole thing. I just like just trying to just trying to get some friends because I was I was uh, you know immigrant coming into the United States and I was just by myself for the first two years and that was that was that made it even tougher. Oh, definitely. Was there a a language barrier when you came? No, we spoke a little English, but uh, but we were speaking we were speaking a whole lot more Spanish as far as all that's concerned. The important factor was that I was going to remedial reading classes for three years. I went to classes in the morning at six o'clock to nine o'clock so that I could learn and understand the, uh, the, the language, the new place that I was in, the opportunity that my grandmother said was going to be the place that uh, would help me move forward in life. So I was, I was in class and trying to learn this new language and, uh, for three years. So, so that was the main thing. Oh, wow. That's interesting. So I know as you got a little bit older, you attended high school at William Grady High School in, in New York. And I did a little bit of research. I saw that you were playing center in high school. Did you play center like exclusively or were you kind of a multi-positional player at that time? No, I played the center. I played the center position. But the, the gift about New York was that I was the I was one of the tallest and I played center. But I got to do all, all the guard drills. I got to the forward drills. I got to do all the drills. Every Everyone on that team could do everything, which was important. Break the press, start the press, get the ball in the middle, dribble people and make passes those kind of things just that I had uh, Ted Gustus a chance to play and uh, and Fred Moskowitz in high school at uh, William E. Grady High School. That's uh, that's really cool to hear about your uh, your high school experience. At the time of your high school career did you play against any other future NBA players? Uh, the only played up player I played against was Sid Green. Sid Green was at Thomas Jefferson High School and uh, he had a, he had an excellent basketball team over there in, in, in at Jeff, and that's the only player that's the only player that I can uh, remember 
playing against them. Most of the time I was, I was playing against the other guys in Brooklyn throughout the streets and, and hooping with the, with some of the, some, some, some of the best players that I, that I have not seen in the NBA as far as all that's concerned. <laughs> but I got a chance to, to be around a lot of great, great players. I also played Brooklyn USA, which is a kind of like an AAU situation going on in Brooklyn. And, uh, had a chance to be developed there too, which is, which is really special. That does sound really special. That sounds like a, a great experience for you. So I know you finished your, your high school career in 1977, moving on to Kansas State. What was the recruitment process like for you to end up at, at Kansas State at that time? Well, for me, it was, for me, it was, uh, it was just kind of a wonderment, I actually, just to, just to, I needed the help from my coach, uh, Fred Moskowitz, and uh, just to make sure that I got a chance to go to different different schools, Centenary College. I got I got 250 offers, you know, at that, that time. Wow. I was all city. I was all city at the time. So I, I was I was top one of the top players in the city by the time I got to be in high school. So by the time that was all all through, I went uh, there. I went to I went to uh, Marquette University for a visit. I went to Syracuse for a visit, and uh, finally ended up at Kansas State University where. I was looking across the table from a guy with a toothpick in his mouth, staring me down, which was Coach Jack Hartman, asking questions about what I wanted to do uh, uh, academically. He wasn't talking to me about any basketball. He was talking to me about academics and about, uh, about, about perseverance, about the accountability. He was asking me all these other questions. So it was special. But the special thing for me was when I found out that he was the coach of Walt, Walt Clyde Frazier wow. at Southern Illinois. You know, he was the coach of him, and uh, he, he, we had, a, we had a, a wonderful, wonderful guard by the name of Mike Evans, who was, who was a All-American at the time, right then and then on the team. And the year before, a guy by the name of Chucky Williams, who had just gotten drafted by Cleveland, just left the team. So I'm, so I'm saying to myself, hmm, this guy, could, this guy could teach me and help me to, to get where I needed to go. And uh, that was it. After that, after that was all over, I didn't, I didn't go to any more visits. I took four visits and that was it. K-State was my, was my team. Definitely. <laughs> well, uh, I think you made the right choice. I know you had oh, a yes. Oh, yes. really oh, yes, um, successful college career at Kansas State. You were a three-time uh, All-Big 8 selection, a Big 8 Defensive Player of the Year, scored over 1,800 points. There is uh, one game I wanted to ask you about your um, – your college experience, the, uh, the buzzer beater shot you had in the, uh, the NCAA tournament against Oregon State at, at Pauley Pavilion in, uh, in 1981. 1981. 1981, okay. And, and, and I don't know the issue very well, but the issue might say March 23rd, 1981. <laughs> I'm not sure, but I think yeah. that's, what the, that's, what, that's what the cover says. Yeah, and uh, it's funny. When I did, um, and I, it was over two years ago when I recorded my episode with Charlie Sitton, he was on the opposing team, and he said, Yes, yes, Charlie was. The Mavericks, um, you were very gracious and uh, about that shot and said, Oh, you know, it was just a regular play, but uh, obviously it was a, a really memorable shot, and I think it uh, eventually helped make the, the phrase March Madness part of the, the common vernacular these days. So that's pretty cool that you had a, a big hand in that. What was the um, – the uh, the huddle like before that play, if if you remember, and, and how did that uh, that play unfold? Because such a, a memorable shot in uh, NCAA tournament history. I know Oregon State was the number one seed at the time. Like you, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't believe it, but it's, it's it's those kinds of things that they become a regular occurrence. In that that same play that we ran on four corners with me on the opposite side, designed for me to come to get the ball with uh, ten seconds to go, clear the bottom guy to the other side, rotate the rotate the top shooting guard to me just in case I got double teamed and have cutters going to the basket. We ran that play, Mike, we ran that play so many 
many times after practice that we were all complaining, complaining <laughs> every practice. We run that, we run those plays every practice, every practice. We were so, we were so frustrated that every time practice ended, we ran that. But you can best believe, Mike, that once that play came up in that game, all our ears were up. We, we were perked up like we, we were ready. We were ready because, and so happy, so happy that we had gone over it so many times already that it became a normal play. It became a regular play. We were so ingrained in so many of the options, understood exactly if they did what one thing or the other. We had options for it, but we were comfortable because we were in that every day, every practice. We went over that last second situations all the time. So I was, I was, I was, I was uh, just so happy to, to be comfortable when the time came. The time came. Everything worked just like in practice, mm-hmm. just like in practice. And uh, getting that basketball and and uh, going up against going up against uh, 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 Ray Bloom, Ray Bloom one on one, boom, boom, take, taking it to the right side, bursting past him, jump. Mark Radford coming over, jumping in the air, and just seeing the rim, just like me and the rim. I just saw the rim and did what I normally did do was just to be able to put that shot in the hole, which is uh, which is exactly what I did in practice, and it happened uh, in the game also too, which was uh, which was a really big shot for K State basketball. Oh, definitely. That's uh, that's fantastic, and uh, I know that shot was immortalized on a Sports Illustrated cover. So that's we loved uh, that's it. All... We loved it. We loved yeah. it. We loved it. We loved it. It was all it was all all rimmed out in purple. Had the purple K State colors on it. We we just absolutely loved it. Loved it. The K State Nation for sure. So I know your college career wraps up in in 1981, and then you were getting ready for the the 81 draft. What was your your pre-draft experience like for you? Well, for me, I, for me, I was lucky too. I was lucky because at the at the end of the the, the season, I was able to go with Mike Evans, who was already drafted uh, uh, a couple of years before, and he was running around playing basketball with uh, with uh, Denver and Portland, and and I went to his house over there in, in Goldsboro, North Carolina, to train. And I was so tired after all of those things, and he was telling me about mental toughness and about the. I, I got I got a great training. I got great training and understanding as to what's happened. So by the time I got to the draft, I uh, I felt very good. I was an Olympic team member. You know what I mean? I was an Olympian. So uh, one of the best shooting guards in, in all the country. So I knew that I would go somewhere either by, by the time Atlanta, Atlanta chose at four to all the way through. I didn't know where it was going to be. But uh, Mark Aguirre is the one who it passed by me. He passed by me in the, in the uh, draft room. The draft room, he passed by me, and he went, same team, same team. I was looking, I was looking down on my table like, what, 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 is, what is he talking about? Same team, same team. And then the draft started, and he was like, you know, from Mark Aguirre, from, you know, the, 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 the ball. And I said, I said, Maya Mavericks. So I was looking because it was at Atlanta. And then all the teams started to come, and then the Mavericks came up at nine. And like, sex, fun, sex, State University. I was, I was so, I was so happy. I was so happy, and uh, I was just uh, completely elated in, in, in that I was going in the, I was going exactly where I thought I would go, which is, which was the top ten, top ten in all the world in, in the game, and um, ended up in the same team with uh, Mark Aguirre, which was, uh, which was wonderful. Yeah, that, that must have been a really special night for both both you and Mark. Um, I wanted to ask you about your uh, the first training camp you had with the Mavericks because I did record an episode with a guy who who was not a Mavericks teammate of yours. He was on the, the inaugural squad in 1980 for a little bit, Joe Hassett, who said he was um, 
he was part of the first ever Mavericks training camp. He said it was held in a church and it was so hot, but he was lucky that the air condition, he was glad the air conditioning worked some of the days. So, um, I mean, you were, you were on, I guess the second training camp ever. What do you remember where it was held or what the conditions were like? Cause it sounds like the first one was a little rough. Oh yeah. The first one had to be rough because it was the inaugural guys playing the yeah. game, putting themselves together too. But we had, we were lucky too. We, we, they had signed a contract with Moody Coliseum. Oh, okay. uh, out at SMU. So we were having our training camp out there and uh, we would have practices sometimes out, out in, in North Dallas, but we would have it at this, at this warehouse that the, uh, that the uh, Carters had at the time for home interiors. You, you, you walk out there, you didn't even know what was going on. It was trucks all lined up and, and, and then we have our cars coming in. Inside of there was a little, a nice little gym that we practice in sometimes, but it was a, uh, it was a good space. And, and also at SMU where we had our, actual training camp which was which was very very nice to, to practice there it would it would help us later on but by having that as our practice court so yeah it sounds like uh conditions improved <laughs> from the first year to the second oh yes that, oh, that's yes. uh that's pretty cool to hear um we got air conditioning we got, <laughs> got air conditioning so your first year in the nba the mavs went 28 and 54 but gradually started climbing the ladder and getting more and more successful and by the the third year, the Mavs made the playoffs. And obviously that 1984 playoff series was very special, very memorable about uh, against Seattle. Um, you know, I know it was the five-game series was played in four different arenas. It was a, a crazy time. The game just aired on Fox Sports uh, two or three weeks ago, I believe, maybe a month ago. I can't keep track of time these days. <laughs> but, um, but obviously game five was very special. Held at SMU, which you just mentioned. And you had a huge hand down the stretch. It's known as Moody Madness. Um, I'm sure you've talked about it a million times over the last 36 years. But, you know, what, what are your, your memories of that night or, or even that series? And obviously how everything unfolded from the officiating to the ending and just everything it must have been a, a, one of the most memorable nights of your career. Well, it was. I mean, the, the important factor for us is that we were, we were doing that with a little bit of a chip on our shoulder because – uh, our own management didn't think we were going to make the playing uh, WCT tennis booked inside a reunion arena. So at the end of the day, when we were going to the playoffs, uh, we had the last and final, we had the, we had the final game and we couldn't play it at our, at our natural home, which was reunion arena. But the important fact about that series is that it just gave us a chance to culminate a growth or start ourselves in, in a position to, to, to uh, beat this, this veteran basketball team. That's, that was the biggest thing. They had a fantastic team with Gus Williams downtown, Freddie Brown, Jack Sigma, you know what I mean, Lonnie Shelton. They had, they had, they had, some, they had some players. And I think what's important about it is to, it, that it put us, put us in a position to being able to, uh, to show that we were ready to be uh, one, of the, one of the best teams in the league. Oh, absolutely. Um, and it was such a, a memorable game. I actually, when it was on TV recently in um, over the last month, uh, that was the first time I'd ever seen it. Um, so it was really cool to, uh, you know, just to, to watch a, a 1984 playoff game from beginning to finish, especially a Mavericks one. And, um, you know, as, as I was watching it, and I was specifically all the, all the play, big plays you made down the stretch, it was really neat just to see it all in the flow of a game because like I said earlier, I, I never really got the privilege to see you play. So I'd only seen some isolated highlights mm -hmm. and I never really saw you in your element down the stretch coming through in the clutch. So that was uh, such a privilege for me to be able to watch that game. So um, I'm, uh, I'm glad you had such a, a big hand in uh, probably the most, arguably outside of 2011, the most memorable game in Mavericks history, I would think. 
it was just important. It was just important to get us off the get us on track. That's the main thing about it. We've been we've been together with the city all throughout. It was a wonderful time. A young team coming in, building through the draft, having the opportunity to have an experienced uh, championship coach and and Dick Mata and uh, Bob Weiss was on was on the bench with us and those kinds of things. So we were growing, 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 and here it is. Came came the big test against Seattle. With- As you guys advanced in the in the playoffs. Um, to play the Lakers later that series, it, it began, you know, the, the series of times that you would face the Lakers in the playoffs. I know you faced them three times in five years and we're never able to, to get past them. But, um, you know, what are some of the, the memories that you had going against the Lakers at that time? You know, they were the, uh, the annual champions in the West. And so, you know, I'm just curious what that experience was like for, for a young Maverick team. It was, uh, it, it was, it was, it, it was fun. It was uh, it was uh, devastating. It was it was every emotional piece of the package that you could go up against because you're you're going up against a well vaunted um, Hall of Fame basketball team with a fantastic basketball coach. And the important factor with that is that they tested you to all of the limits of not only the athleticism of play but also the mental piece of the puzzle to hold form, to to be even be able to beat them to hold form for the 48 minutes that it took. You know, anytime people, I think people don't uh, get a chance to equate what real greatness is. You know, after after you eat that hot dog and drink that beer and under, understand the parameters around what greatness really is. So when you talk about six nine point guard that runs with <laughs> with great speed, you're talking about a you're talking about James Worthy on one side, Byron Scott on the other side. You're talking about Kurt Rambis coming up the stuff. And if all of that doesn't work, if all of that doesn't work, it's like okay. He brings in, he says, hey, come on down, Cap. And here comes Kareem in the low post. <laughs> and then we start our offense, our half-court offense. So it's, it's just a tough, tough situation that you've got to be ready to play. They taught us a great deal all the time and uh, had the opportunity to have our chances. We had our chances not only, not only in uh, uh, 87, 88, but we had our chances also two years before that to be able to put ourselves. But you don't only get a split second of opportunity before the window closes. And the opportunities were were few, far and few between. Since since in my time, they won five doggone championships, and we could never knock them off mm-hmm. to go to the next level and, and do that do 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 the do. So it was it was it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of disappointment also, and uh, it was uh, it was it was something that was very special playing against that uh, Laker team, trying to trying to move past them. You know, I was able to watch some of those games as Fox Sports Southwest has been re-airing them. So it, it was such a exciting time to. Uh, to be every union arena, I'm sure, and, and uh, participate in those games and against a, a legendary team. And, um, you know, even though it was uh, didn't c- come out in the Mavs' favor, it was obvious that, you know, you guys gave me your best shot. It just uh, it we didn't, did. it, we it did. didn't we, work we, out I, that I way. can't tell you that we did, Mike. Mike, I can't tell you that, oh, this – no, 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 no. I think, I, I think as the years had gone on, I think if we if we'd have gotten to beat them in 86, that would have changed their minds a little bit as far mm-hmm. as that's concerned. At that home game – that home game where we had we, we had a chance to win that basketball game and also also beating them at, the, at at LA in the seventh game up up in LA which was which was extremely extremely tough but you've got to be able to put a dent in that team in order to take them down when the time is right and when the times are are few far and few between to being able to get that so it, it helped us though we were we were really helped each and every year playing against them and understanding the level in which you had to hold for the for the 48 minutes in order to be to, to be very, very good and crowned a champion. 
Oh, absolutely. I wanted to go back a couple years in, um, in 1986 and a couple of regular season games I wanted to ask you about. One was against Boston. And at that time, um, you know, the 1986 Celtics, I mean, a lot of uh, NBA historians and experts would probably consider that team one of the, the, or arguably the best team of all time. But they came into Reunion Arena. Larry Bird had 50, but the mm-hmm. Mavericks won one point, but one by one point. Do you remember that, that particular game? I remember, I remember, I remember, I remember it completely. I cannot, I can, Mike, <laughs> I cannot forget that game for sure. <laughs> and anytime, anytime you have a fantastic team like that come in and, uh, really have the opportunity to play against them. And, 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 and of course, that was highlighted in my own mind, also to my mind and my body. I was burning mentally because, because Mark, Mark couldn't play that game. Mark Aguirre missed that, missed that basketball game. So when you talk about playing a game against such a vaunted basketball team, it was something very special. But, um, you know, I, I was one of the best players in all the leagues. So, mm-hmm. so with that now came the responsibility of leading a team toward that charge. And uh, took the responsibility very seriously, especially with a great team coming in, like like of course, that fantastic team. So it was just it was just a great team, and and just watching watching Larry Bird hit shot after shot <laughs> after shot, he would not let he would he was trying not to let them lose, you know. And I was I was on the other side with with my teammates trying not to let them win at a, a reunion arena. So and it was a great great uh, great great victory for us to being able to, to being able to take them down, you know. Leave, leave there with a loss, and we, we, won, we won the game. They only lost 15 games that year, but one of them was to the Mavericks at, at Reunion Arena, so that must have been a really special night. I was looking at it the is. box score. I it know was. you had uh, 32 points. and just uh, Was that a game that you know, maybe a, a signal to other teams that maybe the Mavericks had arrived if you, if you, if you uh, defeated Boston, or do you think you guys were already you know, contenders at that point? No, oh, I think I think I think at that point we could beat anyone. That's the thing mm-hmm. about it. We we could beat anyone and had had, had the opportunity to do so. We, we we had at that point also two beaten the Lakers a few times also too. So it was it's an important factor for us to being able to put it together. That was the most important thing for us from year after year with the new players coming in, having the opportunity to be consistently great. That was the that was the thing that was the most important thing is to be consistently great and trying to put the game after game after game together for us. So I, I thought we could we could beat lots of teams, but as far as being consistently great, that's what we had to work on all the, all the time, to being able to bring that, that force and togetherness to every game. Yeah, that was uh, – there, there are some uh, clips of that game on YouTube, so I was watching some of those, so that was, that was pretty, pretty neat to watch. Um, the other game I wanted to ask you about is actually a Mavericks loss about 10 days later, maybe two weeks later. Dr. J hit a half-court shot at the buzzer to uh, to win the game. You don't see many half-court buzzer beaters really ever. Um, you know what was uh, I guess what was that ex- experience like losing on a uh, I guess you could call it uh, very unusual circumstances to uh, to lose that game, especially Dr. J. I mean, you had a great game, so did Mark Aguirre. But I was looking at the box score; all the names that were in it was incredible. Charles Barkley had 35 points. Moses Moses Malone had 28. Dr. J had 20. You had 29. Mark had 34. That just <laughs> that just must have been a, a a crazy ending. And is that is a game like that easy to uh, to shake off, or does it just kind of sting a little bit? I'm just oh, curious. No, no, no. It, sting, it stings. It stings, yeah. and it's uh, because because once again, you're playing greatness meets greatness. We were a great team with great players, also, and mm-hmm. meeting them, we wanted to we wanted to make sure and beat them and, and get them. Just that that's the body. We're 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 good and we can we can beat you. That's the thing about it. It wasn't anything mm-hmm. coming in and in all. We wanted to make sure and take care of business and and throughout the game it was tough to do so. 
but we, we, we thought we had an opportunity to get that stuff taken care of. And, and there goes uh, uh, the, the last, the little half court, the little half court, I will say the little half court lucky shot, yeah. but, <laughs> but, but that, but it, it's all, in, it's all in the game. You know, you feel yeah. disappointed after the game, but you also feel, you also feel, um, you feel a sense of satisfaction also too, because, because they had to, they had to, they had to get a luck play to win the game. But, but, but nonetheless, it, it, it bolsters your confidence so you understand exactly what you can do. And I, and I think in playing Philadelphia from, I think in playing Philadelphia throughout the rest of the career and time too, we beat them, we beat them several times up at Philly after that too. I think, I think it was a, I think it was a good thing for us in, in being able to go up against a tremendous team like that. When you talk about Barkley and you talk about Dr. J, oh my <laughs> goodness, to, to, to play against Julius in that kind of a situation. But we also had a great player that, that stunted him that day, which was, which a guy by the name of that he had to deal with and couldn't. So that was that was very very special. But yeah, I, I never even knew that game happened until uh, a couple months ago. I just stumbled across it online, and you, you just like I said, you never see many half court shots <laughs> to win a game, but especially a Dr. J one against the Mavs. I just I never heard of that, so I thought that was uh, noteworthy and, and and worth asking about. A um, couple of uh, All Star game questions I wanted to ask you. The first one from 1986, held in Dallas. Um, must have been a really special uh, time for you. What What are your memories about that game um, held at Union Arena? I tell fans I'm still sad. I'm still sad to when I drive by there and it's a plot of it's a plot of green grass and the building is the whole building is gone. I'm still I'm still sad all all the time <laughs> with that stuff too. But um, the the game was a special game and it was a bittersweet game for me simply because Mark Aguirre didn't make the team. Uh, mm-hmm. the all-star team that, that day to, to be able to play in Dallas and all that kind of stuff. We had a, we had a few, we had, we had a few, we had a few problems during, during that time. And uh, I was sad that he didn't, he wasn't on the floor in our home court with that kind of the stuff. And it was a lot of fun for me also too, to get called and play and have an opportunity to be, to be an all-star and then be in front of the home fans, which was extremely special was that it was an all-star game in Dallas, which was a, uh, I can't tell you how, how how good I felt with that whole situation. I felt good about the whole game until I got a chance to play the point guard at the end. I did not. I was with Riley, and my, Magic Johnson got in foul trouble, and <laughs> Riles was like, "Okay, we're gonna put Rolando. You you put the point. You play the point guard. I I played the point guard position. I could play the point. You know, I could play the point. I mean, I ended up with my most assists ever in an All Star game there with eight in that in that game, diamond and doing my thing, but. Believe me, I wanted to play what I usually play was the shooting guard. I wanted to come up, I wanted to come up firing in the last quarter, as far as all that's concerned, the things that I normally do, which is to lock in and to being able to use my skills to being able to put points on the board, bro. Not a shot taker, a shot maker. So that's the main factor. That's that's the only thing I didn't like about that all-star. I was like, I didn't I don't want to play I don't I don't I don't want to play the point. I don't want to play the point. But he put me at the point guard position. Uh, we ended up losing that basketball game also too, uh, at, in Dallas also too. But, but um, overall, overall, I played in four of them, and um, uh, just before the All Star, just the All Star stuff uh, to to get down. But it, it's just special. Those times are really special when you're amongst the best of the best and you're counted in as far as that's concerned, which is great. Yeah, yeah, that that must have been really special. Um, 
that, that would have been great to attend um, as a, as a Mavs fan and, and being in Dallas. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, hopefully there'll be another all-star game in Dallas is, at some point. That would be, that would be really neat. Yeah. Hopefully they'll have, a, hopefully they'll have another one again. I think there was one, I think there was one in the, in the, uh, the, yeah, the Cowboy Stadium. I think it was Cowboy Stadium. Yeah, yep, definitely. So I was there, I was there also too. That was, that was really, that was really special, special time being able to put that together. So it was great. Obviously, the other, the next all-star question I have, which is another question I'm sure you get all the time, the 1987 all-star mm-hmm. game and the uh, the big free throws you uh, you hitched to force overtime. Just for my listeners that may not be familiar, though I'm sure a lot of them are, could you just briefly describe that situation and, and your your mentality at the time and how you came through? Well, that was just a, it was just a situation where it was just a situation where we. Uh, had the opportunity to to be down by two. We were down by two and got to that bench situation. And and Coach Riley was going over all the different a- actions and segments and and putting it uh, uh, in my in my own world that I was a go-to guy at the end of the basketball game. So closer with that kind of a situation. So he just had magic popping out, different players popping. But at the end, if you couldn't find anybody recovered, Rolando, you popped to the corner. You popped to the mid corner where we get the basketball. And he just said, and he just said, do what you do. Ding, ding, ding. Okay. No problem with that kind of a thing. So, and it just, and it just happened that I popped, got the basketball. Oh my goodness. Larry Bird was in front of me. Too slow. Went right by him. And then, and then go to the basket. The, 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 The main thing in my mind was not to try to shoot a jumper, was to go to the basket and go hammer it and go get fouled. And what happened? I got fouled and the buzzer went off at the same time. I mean, those those are the same things that people realize. Those are the same things that, 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 that people dream about all the time. The dream became a reality. All No time on the clock. Two shots to tie. It was two shots. And I, and I can remember looking up, remember wiping my, my, wiping my brow, putting my hands, getting my hands ready to take the shot to make sure that the fingertips hit the ball. And just going into and just going into my groove then, and I knew here came Isaiah trying to trying to disrupt trying to disrupt. He was going calling me all kind of names. You can't make the shot. Oh man, you I know you scared. We at the All Star game. You got to make both of them. You can't. Then magic then magic comes over his mouth. You you're a So and they're both laughing and having. I'm saying to myself, I I have I have two shots. For my life, my my life was on the line. Your life, your full reputation, everything is on the line. There are all stars over there looking on the bench. When you look over there, there's Kareem, there's Worthy. There. I'm like, wait a minute, there's all stars on the other side, and you have two free throws. Nobody, Mike, Mike, nobody wants to go back to the bench and go to the locker room. Oh man, sorry you didn't make. Oh no, you could if you could have made that. Oh, I, I, that would have killed me. But the important factor was that I'd done that over and over again in my mind, just to being able to put myself in a position to lock my mind in on what I'd done thousands and thousands of times in practice and follow the routine and block out Isaiah, block out all the, all the external distractions and put the ball in the hole. That was, that was, that was, that was a serious for me. It's not, it's not towel waving and all that stuff. This is serious. And, uh, and, and you have to make these two, two shots. But do what you normally do. Nothing, mm-hmm. nothing extra special. There's two free throws. I was a great shooter, and I'm by myself on the free throw line. So you got to calm the nerves, get the heart rate down, and execute. And um, 
man, God willing, I was able to, I was able to execute that first one, that first one, that first one to get distance, hit the front of the rim, hit the back and dropped. And when it did that, I turned around and I, and immediately I knew the distance now. And, and as soon as Isaiah was in my face, Isaiah was in my face. And what I did then was just to block him out, like get, get this guy out of here. Magic came over and got him and they were yelling and screaming and having fun over there while I'm, <laughs> while my, while my, my, my buns are on the line. So I'm like, now nah, I'm gonna make this shot. And I, and I went over there and I was feeling the pressure. You feel it. But I uh, went over there and locked in on it and, uh, let it out too. Confidence, baby. Confidence. I screamed confidence at the end and uh, put the ball in the hole, turned away. And some of the most fun you could ever have when you get to the bench and you have, man, you're getting high fives from the, the, the baddest boys in basketball. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. Overtime, you know, the best players in all the world. Doom, doom. So it was a highlight for me and one, one that galvanized uh, my thought process and, and uh, put, me on the, put me on the map as, uh, as, 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 again, one of the best players one of the best players playing the game. Oh, definitely. And, and thank you for, for sharing all your memories of that. That's so uh, fun to hear. And um, Mike, 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 they're right here. Mike, they're right here in, in, a, in a crystal clear HD4 <laughs> box, right? <laughs> That's fantastic. You know uh, what I mean? Oh, I love goodness. hearing things like that. My and, goodness. You know, uh, the, the Mavericks collectively um, really don't have that many uh, memorable all-star moments. There's just, there's just not yes. a lot uh, – so I think yours definitely sits right at the top. I know Dirk won the three-point contest one time, which was awesome, but I would have to put uh, your, your free throws at the probably the best Maverick moment in all-star history. So it's pretty cool that, that you have that. We touched on it briefly earlier, the, uh, the 88 um, series with uh, the Lakers, pushing them to the limit, you know, didn't go the Mavericks way. But, uh, you know, that was kind of the, the beginning of the end for the, um, for the Mavericks' success in the 80s. You know, briefly, what what were the uh, your last few years in Dallas like for you? I know there was a lot of change, and you could probably see the writing on the wall that things were just shifting. What what was that experience like for you after having so many years of success? Oh, it was difficult, of course. Anytime you have so much success and so many things to the team, the team uh, with the internal problems and trouble blew up with that kind of a situation. Also, too, it makes it, it makes a big difference with uh, uh, Mark McGuire going into. Mark going into Detroit, and uh, and then uh, Roy Tarpley, Roy Tarpley getting in trouble with the with the drugs. Uh, mm-hmm. Sam Perkins not not resigning. Sam Perkins assigned with the Lakers. So when you talk about the breakup of our team and the breakup of the uh, opportunity that was there, it was uh, very very difficult because at the end of the day, after that, you can't win without talent. You know this is this is this is you know this is not this is not a summer league situation and not college basketball where two players or one player can beat a, a team of eight you can't do that this, you got to have a squad in order to win so it was it was it was it was very very difficult and uh at, at the time too and I ended up I ended up uh getting an opportunity to to get traded to New York City but uh, it was it was the it was the worst situation it was the worst situation ever because at that summer I got hurt I hurt my back and uh and that and that and that and that changed the that was that was it for my NBA career. That was it for my NBA career. So I understood that. I went over to play Europe for a couple of years, won a championship in Italy, uh, which was fantastic. A great opportunity there. And, and and Mike, then I didn't want to run anymore. I didn't want to work out for five for five hours a day in preparation anymore. And mm-hmm. uh, and I basketball and I knew basketball was all over. But it was a it was a special special career though. Special times. Had the opportunities to do great things. The All Star Games. I'm. I mean, even even post career uh, honors all throughout. So it's uh, it's it's been it's been wonderful. 
one thing about that trade to New York. Was that something you welcomed or was it just uh, were you kind of caught off guard by it when that happened in the summer? No, no, no. It gave me no. It was uh, it was it was something that gave me it was something the team wasn't winning and the team right. was going in a different direction. So it was something that gave me an opportunity to to get to get together with a with a fantastic team and a tremendous coach in that kind of a way. But but like anything else, things things work out. Things work out only only in a, only in God's way. Things work out only in God's way. That's that, that's about it. I I had the thoughts and everything to be this and that and the other. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden, putting a piece of a weights down the wrong way by bending and not using my knees, I popped my pop popped the uh, disc in my back and mm-hmm. and. Uh, that was it. Pain, 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 surgery, then not playing the last year. And then that was it for the NBA, the NBA career. So things in your mind that you want to achieve and accomplish only together, only together can it happen. And uh, that was it. It was supposed to be great, but it didn't end up being that way in the, in the last uh, two years here in the NBA. But uh, I'll take, I'll take the, I'll take the first 11. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, uh, definitely I'll take it. I'll take it. 11 oh, definitely years. So, did you look at going to New York as like as a homecoming though, in in a way, since you had spent so much of your time? Yeah, I mean, there? it was it was it was it was, it was going to be a special situation. They just they just come. I was I grew up in Brooklyn, New York City. Mm-hmm. That's where I grew up in Brooklyn. Coming back and playing for the uh, for the New York Knicks, having the opportunity to to really get back into a, a place where I where I have a lot of family, a lot of friends, a lot of people in that kind of a way. But it just ended up being it, it, it just ended up not being well because you 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 got to you got to be healthy in order to do your thing in the NBA and I, I not, and I was not I was not I, I had a herniated disc in my back that whole first year pain mm. like you wouldn't uh, believe mm. and then I had the surgery after that and then when once you have surgery and and try to do that then then the whole thing changed lineup changed all that stuff changed and then then it was then by that time it was it was time to it was time to it was time to go I didn't want to stop playing basketball so I went overseas and played in Athens Greece for Ike and after that, played in Olympia Milano in Milan, which was fantastic, and won a championship there with some great, great players. And then after that, it was time to go. It was like, okay, no more of this running and five-hour yeah. preparation, preparation and all that. Kind of stuff. I don't. I think people understand that that you work out, but they don't understand what it takes to be at the top of the hill. They mm-hmm. don't. They, they understand the workout, but they don't understand that in order to be at the top of the hill, in order to really be great at something, you have to spend the time and, and five-hour workouts. Are not in not in are not in everybody's book, you know. As far as that's concerned, so it was over with. I didn't want to do that anymore. So I knew it was time to back to the USA, <laughs> back to the USA, and uh, and 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 start a life and, and career there. I know over the course of the last you know twenty years, you've still had strong ties to the Mavs uh, in a in a variety of roles. I know you were a a player development coach and assistant coach. And at one point in time, you were, um, you know, spending a lot of time like scrimmaging with with the young Dirk Nowitzki, Michael Finley, and all that. What what are oh, yeah, some yes. of your your memories of, of of those times? It was it was just it was just a lot of fun. I mean, it was just a lot of fun to watch watch those guys come up and develop, and really have the opportunity to. You can see that they're special players, though they're they're guys that can really under, they understand the scope and the full dynamics of of their athleticism. And, and and they're able to, to 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 parlay that on the floor, which is which is so analytical. You have to be analytical in order to be able to be consistent game after game after game with all the different things that are going on. And uh, Dirk in, in that in that situation also too, because seven foot and can shoot the basketball fearless, just had a special skills and and had the opportunity to 
to be a leader in a quiet way. Dirk is the other side. Dirk is the antithesis of someone who makes a lot of noise and talks. He just does, he just lets the work and the play do his talking for him, not saying very, very much on the court, except for whipping your behind when the time comes. And he did that regularly as far as that's concerned and watching Mike play. And of course, of course, uh, Nash was on the team at the time also, also with that kind of a thing. So it's a special thing. You know, I'm, I'm vice president of corporate relations now with the team. I get a chance to, to interact with the fans. I get a chance to interact with the season ticket holders. I get a chance to interact with the, with the corporate structure of what goes on. And it's, and when the games come, it's so much fun for me to interact with the people because it's, uh, it's something that we can go back. We can stay here. We can talk about anything in any level. So I, I enjoy my opportunity very, very, very much. That's uh, that sounds really special. Um, I had a couple of questions about, about that time. So like I said, when we got started, I I'm 33, so I didn't get to watch you play or anything, but by the time I was around 14 or 15, I was, um, you know, well into my Mavericks fandom and, we didn't have cable at the house, so I was reading every Dallas Morning News article that I, that I could find. And uh, I remember reading, this was, I guess it must have been the spring of 2001, that you, you tore your Achilles in it while working out with the Mavs and had to have surgery. Um, but I remember reading at the time that there was discussion of a potential comeback for you at that time. And I, I wanted to see if there was any validity to this, to this rumor. That might yeah, I remember back. it. I remember it. During, during the time I was doing the assistant coaching, and of course, uh, of course, I was in I was in fantastic shape, Mike. Mike, I was in fantastic old guy shape, and uh, was playing and can hit shots and run and all those kind of things, doing everything that I could do as a youth, as far as all of that's concerned. And uh, the, the the team needed at the time some scoring punch and some some uh, just a veteran leadership. So we were we were talking about it like, hey, maybe you know maybe you can come back and do some things here for the last second half of the season and help the team and this kinds of stuff too. So what I found myself doing was I found myself training a little bit harder, like training harder and, and knowing and understanding what it took to, to do that kinds of stuff. But then my body said, no, nah, no, 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 because I was running all over the place. And, and, and one day I made that cut up in Portland playing uh, three on three. I made that cut and I heard a pop. I thought somebody kicked me. I was like, man, what the, I look back, nobody's there. I'm on the ground. And there you go. I can't move my right leg. I was like, uh oh, that was, and that was it. That was the end of any all thoughts of doing this and that and the other and all that kinds of stuff too. But there, there was a thought about that uh, in that time. And there was a lot of fun as far as all that's concerned. I love basketball and love mm-hmm. the opportunity in that kind of a way. I mostly, I mostly love working with people. That's the, that's the, that's number one over basketball are the people that I'm around and the opportunity that's there with the camaraderie and, and mm-hmm. really having an opportunity to, infuse myself in, in that in that in that personal type of thing because without the personal stuff I don't I don't I don't I don't like I don't I, it's not it's not that I like stuff I I like the personalities and people uh, better than that too if I can't get what I need for personally I need I, then I need to be somewhere else wow I, I feel like I uh, missed out on a chance to maybe see you play <laughs> um, at the end I, of the I, games at the end of the games at the end of the games was a little bit different yeah uh, I was at the end of the game it's, it's a raw monster it's a raw monster coming out too because I had the skills and the mentality to put the ball in the hole, which was which was very very special as far as that's concerned. So at the end of the day, everything was everything was good except for when the end of the game. Now, you, Mike, you better pass me the damn ball. That's, the, that's what's happening. 
Wow. Well, uh, that, no, that's oh uh, man, that's, that's great. old time. Different, different, different times. Go to guy. Different times. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right. So I think I just got a couple more questions here. Um, in, uh, in March of, uh, 2000, your Jersey was retired by, by the Mavericks. Um, you know, what, what are your, your memories of that ceremony? Uh, I was able to watch uh, Derek Harper's ceremony a couple of years ago on TV and that seemed to be, um, a long time coming. So, uh, I, I'm glad that that happened, but what, what, what are your memories of, of your ceremony? Just, just, just deeply and humbly. Uh, I just, I just felt, I just felt a, a, a sense of gratitude. It was just a, a wonderful opportunity to, you know, you have your number, you have your number in the stands. It's a, it's, it's a huge situation going on. So I was, I was so happy for my family. I was so happy uh, that I was able to share that with the fans, able to come through in that kind of a way, because it was always a combination during the time that I played. It was a, always a combination between the team and the fans in that they helped us to grow. They helped us to mature. They saw us come through and have something new and, and being able to be applied that to well, Mr. Carter and his wife, Linda, and the and and having the opportunity to put that all together too. Mark Cuban had just bought the had just bought the team a few mm-hmm. years ago, so it was a it was a special time. It was really a special time. Norm Sanju, who put this all together, he's the one conceptually that that brought the Mavericks to the uh, brought the Mavericks to Dallas and being able to get that done. So I had a lot of care, I had a lot of love, I had a lot of value, and a lot a lot of respect also too around the Dallas Fort Worth area in that kind of a way. So it was it was really special for my family, for myself. And uh, having the opportunity to come together with a special uh, honor that that would that would stand through the test of time, which was which was a big deal for me. Oh yeah, no, it's uh, I always enjoy looking up at the banners whenever I'm uh, whenever I go to a game. So Definitely. I really enjoy looking at things like that. So I'm glad that was such a special night for for you and and your family. And the last question I have here is a bit of trivia. It's something I like to do with with all my guests and and, and test their test their memory. So I'm going. I'm going to ask you to go back to your rookie year with the Mavericks. Um, there are 13 names that played a, re- a regular season game for uh, for the Mavs in your rookie year. I wanted to see how many of them you could name. Wow, 13 <laughs> names! Oh my goodness, including That's, you. So really, just 12. Okay, so <laughs> so me, uh, Oliver Mack. Uh, was Ali Mack on the team? Yes, he was. Yeah. Oliver Mack on the team uh, was uh, so my rookie year had to be the super rookies were on there too. So had to be me, had to be me, Ali Mack, Brad Davis, Kurt Nymphius, uh, uh Mark Aguirre, Jay Vincent, um, Scott Lloyd, Tom Lagarde. Uh, Scott Lloyd, Tom Lagarde. Let me see who else was on the team. Who else was on the team? That's that's that that's just that's just. Let me see, Scott Lloyd, Tom Lagarde, Kurt Nimpius, right? Okay, the Lagarde. That's that's all. That's all the uh, players I can name. I can name in my rookie year. I can't name any more. I don't know. Okay, the rest. you got uh, five more. Who did, I, who did I miss? Alan Bristow. Brist, left-handed, <laughs> left-hand Bristow. Okay. Wayne Cooper. Okay, big Wayne, man. Wayne Wayne is gonna be mad when he sees this. I gotta call his name. Man, that's that's uh, a, that, that was an excellent player. Yep. Clarence mm-hmm. Key. Big Clarence Key. Oh yeah. Big Houston 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 Clarence Key. Oh yeah. <laughs> knock my dog on knock my dog on tooth back in, in, in practice one day too. Oh, oh man, dog on <laughs> big Clarence. 
big big Clarence. Oh yeah, Clarence Key. Great names. I forgot. I forgot those three. I forgot then, those uh, three, but I had. I think I, I had the rest. Oh no, you got two more. You were missing just two more. Uh, Jim Spinarkle. Sparky. Oh, he's gonna kill me. Oh yeah. my <laughs> goodness, Sparky. Spark, Sparky to Spark, Spinarkle. Spinarkle really took me through the movement of playing defense on movement because he mm. could move out of Duke. He could move and shoot. Oh man, Sparky. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Jim. Jim was in practice all the time with me, teaching teaching the movement and defense on. Oh my goodness, I yeah. missed out. Who who else did I miss out on? Elston Turner is the last one. E.T. Part of this man, Mississippi. St- oh my goodness, these guys. <laughs> hey, those guys are gonna kill me. Those guys yeah. are gonna kill me. E.T. <laughs> E.T. E.T. is gonna kill me. My goodness, I forgot their I forgot their names on the team. I was battling. I was battling with E.T. for playing time. My, my rookie year with the with the opportunity too. They had us. They had us do drill time. I played the second and fourth quarters. E.T. played the first quarter and third quarter. Oh, that, was, wow. that was something something special as far as that's concerned. Oh, man, what a – man, that's, that's, I'm <laughs> glad, glad you remind me of those names also, too. Those guys are going to get me. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's usually how I, uh, I like to end it. So I just want to say thank you so much for your time today. This was so much thank fun, you. and uh, you were a fantastic guest. And uh, I hope you and your family are all safe with uh, everything that's going on right thank now. Is everyone doing okay? Thank you. We are. We are. We're just hoping that Dallas, Dallas and also Texas and – can 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 re, re, this can reformat and and start to get this virus out of here so that uh, things can turn to, to this new normal without the danger of having to lose your life, which is mm-hmm. uh, which is a very important time for us. Yes. Uh, um, well, I'm really glad to to hear that. Um, so thank you, Rolando. Uh, I really appreciate Thanks, your time Mike. today.